1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. Welcome listeners to the Art Slice Museum Division of Color Theory and Color Studies. Art Slice Museum LDCTC. I, uh, it says here, I'm Russell Shoemaker, a level five purple people eater with a 10 in, in, in hankerins. <laughs> More purple people. Hankerins. I am Stephanie Duenas, and a little later on, we will be joined by the one, the only, Caldwell Tanner. It's lovely to meet you all. Uh, I'm so sorry about all of the die. Our Ponchimons have been hard at work compiling data from your different experiences with Colors listeners. Here in the Art Slice Museum LDCTC, we're going to touch on the history of color theory, talk about the history of the pigments behind the paint, Then get into ours, and most importantly, your associations with those colors, listeners. Because if you're an artist, an art admirer, a designer... If you're carving a Lucha Libre-themed nativity (laughs) scene for La Noche de Rabanos... Color impacts you in ways that are obvious and not so obvious. Today, we're going to be discussing the long and meandering lineage of the color purple... And why so many of you listeners associated it with royalty, magic, and mystery. Yes, a color that has been so loved and so sought after that it was, for a long time, only available to kings, queens, and mollusks. And and multi-armed trickster gods like the uh, 1971 McDonaldland Grimace. (laughs) That's right. To which we are still discovering ancient references to, Mm -hmm. like, for example... No. (laughs) Vesuvius charred scrolls. So yeah. not not a four-armed grimace on no. a, a on a, one of those like Pompeian frescoes. One of those Pompeian um, fresco um, uh, cupid sellers. No, you know the no. ones that sell cupids. No. Okay. Got three arms. Well, he's got four arms, but three are maybe in the process of making a cupid transaction. A cupid a cupid <laughs> transaction to a couple that wants to find love. I don't understand how that works. And then the other arm, he's got another one back here for milkshake. He's got to have his. He's got to have his omega three. Uh, well, it's like omega threes to him. It keeps his grimace hide slick. Back back alley. Yeah. Uh, milkshake. Is that back. I mean, it's McDonald's. It's not back alley. <laughs> Drive Big through. chain. Drive through. Okay. Um, Horse ride. Back to Car- purple. Carriage. Carriage through. <laughs> All right. Back to purple. It was so magical that even the ancient Greeks thought that keeping wine in amethyst vessels would ward off drunkenness. Yeah. So two arms. Cute for in, in the Cupid selling process. Okay. One for milkshake. One with a giant amethyst moonshine jug. The little X's, like really nice, like tastefully carved in there. I don't, I don't think tasteful wine would be kept in such a moonshine jug. Uh, tell that to Mr. Carl O. Rossi. Think he'd have a little something to say about wine in a moon jug. Moon jug. So. <laughs> Close enough. So before we get into it, mm. how are we? Feeling about the color. Okay, little right? little check in, little, little check in with the color. Little color check-in. feeling. Yes. So for me, this is a color that I never thought too much about. I didn't dislike it, mm. but it also wasn't one that I really reached for. But now I'm realizing. Okay. 
what an awesome color it is. So my, I think my thoughts on purple was always that it was an incredible supporting color. Mm. Fantastic next to reds, fantastic next to magentas, mm -hmm. viridians, mm -hmm. you know, not phthalos, viridians. I'm thinking like Rufino to Mayo paintings or, or the Loveless mm -hmm. album cover okay. where there's just a little bit of purple in there. But if you asked me if I'd want to surround myself in like purple velvet, let's say, or oh. like gri or Grimace hides, <laughs> uh, I would have said absolutely not, but I, I'm kind of fucking feeling this space. Yeah. This yes. is actually really nice. Yes, I'm I'm loving the purple. I'm very surprised how much I'm liking this purple. Right. It's a whole right. purple vib. Love I get it. the Prince thing. I didn't really get the Prince thing before that. <laughs> I get the Prince thing now. Now you do. Surround me in Grimace Hide. <laughs> Love to hear it. Um, there was actually a lot of positivity from you listeners, which I honestly wasn't expecting. Okay. Patron at Amanda GC Art. Thank you, Amanda. Says purple is, quote, a void filled with energy mm -hmm. versus being actually void like black. <laughs> at Spicy Witch Soup says, quote, it's comforting mm. and helps creative energy flow. Mm. And patron at Ezreal's Art. Thank you, Ezreal. Thank you, Ezreal. Says purple is those, quote, Hot summer nights that mm. seem like they just don't fully transition into darkness. Oh, totally. No, the rare purple sky. Yes. It's rare. It's very rare. Yes, I think you do see it more in the summer. I, I did yes. just scope one out, though, uh, a couple days ago. In real life? I caught it for like a second. In yeah. real time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. It's winter, too, for those of you listening later. Super ethereal. Yeah, it was at like 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get into it, listeners. As always, you can find all of the images we are about to discuss on YouTube, which is where you could watch us right now if you wanted to, or on Instagram at ArtSlicePod. You could also find it on our website, sign up for our newsletter, uh, or just keep watching if you're watching or listening. No, uh, You know, whichever way you want to go. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Or don't. I don't care. Fuck you. Okay. I love you. Fuck you. <laughs> Chips. Chips. The overhead projector chips. It's time. Oh my god. Is that annoying ad? They're still ad. playing this fucking ad? What the fuck? Chips. Chips, can you skip it, chips? chips? Why don't you have an ad blocker? They're free. Skip 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 it. Skip it, chips. Thanks. Thank thank you. Stephanie, listeners. Watchers, voyeur, voyeurs, viewers, question mark. It's the return of that hot new segment on Art Slice, the one the listeners have all been waiting for called How We Perceive Color Chemically. And we're going to go on a little bit of a journey today, okay? Mm -hmm. Arriving first in the pre-dot-com bubble era 1994, where we find one software engineer and landlorder, Ooh. Purple Jeff, using presumably his landline to purchase the domain purple.com, which Purple Jeff used for many things. The most of those things being a blank hex code 7D26CD background with a B47BB6FAQ hyperlink. As seen here in this Wayback Machine entry from March 12th, 2007. However, <gasps> if we click back to the entry from February 7th, 2006, we see a very different color. Magenta. For 13-ish years, Purple Jeff was living a, a lie. He was living a life devoid of purpleness. His purple.com background hex code being the definitively magenta FF00FF. Foof. 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 Foof.
Just guessing here that Magenta Jeff was suddenly facing a swell of criticism as disaffected MySpace users worked their way over to and worked out their anger on Twitter.com, the brand new Twitter.com, okay? Probably after being left off of too many MySpace top eights, okay? Which would explain all the, all the people buying the premium uh, X blue check marks. Verified. Uh, but what caused Purple Jeff to be Magenta Jeff for, for 13 years, Stephanie? This is like a hot magenta. Yes, this is totally wrong color, right? Uh, maybe the RGB was skewed on his monitor. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. the Intel inside, uh, it was bad Intel. <laughs> bad Intel inside. But there may be one clue here, okay? Because purple, like magenta, is, yes, yet another extra spectral color. Which means when we see purple, it pings the red and blue cones in our eyes, in our rods and cones, right? Skipping over the green cone entirely, and we just kind of invent what that color looks like. So to review, if you look at that continuous strip known as the visible wavelength spectrum that starts with red and ends in violet, there is no place for a true purple- Not violet. To sit along that spectrum. That's why on the artist's color wheel, Purple has become the bridge color, mm. become the bridge, allowing us to bend that visible light spectrum strip into a circle. Le bridge. <laughs> so what's unique and an early Grimace level weird about the color purple is that since it mixes the fastest wavelength red and the second to slowest wavelength blue, especially that part of blue that is sensitive to the very slowest, the absolute slowest violet, we end up with a speedball purple haze-like <laughs> effect that is both hyper and slow, both hyper and slow at the same time, speedball. So if you are one of those folks, those fine folks posting uh, uh, Fred from SpongeBob, my eyes memes <laughs> after the Utah Jazz unveiled their all purple tournament court, your eyes may actually be struggling to process purple information quickly or slowly. Maybe, maybe a little bit of both, maybe at the same time. In 2021, scientists cautioned drivers and pedestrians when suddenly street lamps across America turned Halloween purple mm. due to an LED failure in those made by American Electric Lighting LLC. Made in USA. No, thank you. Making it difficult for our rods and cones to quickly process information, you know, like a car barreling towards you. Sure, sure. The way I conceptualize this, which is unscientific and probably incorrect, <laughs> is that we lump colors like magenta and fuchsia in with colors like purple. Because apart from sharing similar pigments or wavelengths, they just kind of feel like they should go together. Mm -hmm. They're difficult to place, they're difficult to perceive, and they're hard to categorize. But when you start to feel bad for purple slash magenta Jeff for making a color oopsie for so many years, <laughs> keep in mind that he sold purple.com in 2017 to the Purple Mattress Company for just shy of $1 million. So who knows? Maybe he took that landlording money and uh, he, he lorded over some lavender fields. It's a frolic in the purple. <laughs> Bye, Jeff. So, listeners, before we dive into the characteristics of purple, we need to address the uh, violet elephant shrew in the room. Okay. <laughs> because violet is spectral and purple is extra spectral, there's been some name swapping shenanigans. Uh. Okay. So, it's time to teach the purple violet controversy. Okay. Okay. Baseline, let's get our definitions clear here, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Purple is not a wavelength, mm -mm. but it is a color. Violet, however, is a wavelength, but it is not, and I repeat, it is not purple. 
but when you look at purple, you are using the, the sensitivity to violet in your eyes. In your ojos. But pigments are not wavelengths just distilled into a powder or a dye. And the visible light spectrum is not the artist color wheel that we, we've just used it as a guide, right? And bent yeah. that sequence of colors into a circle using some purple spackle as, as the bridge color between red and violet, right? <laughs> yeah. I think all these paint manufacturers want, just wanted to, you know, get that spec cred, right? So they, <laughs> they take like the uh, extra spectral color, turn it into a spectral color, uh -huh. call it purple when it's actually violet or vice versa, just changing the meaning entirely. It's really, it's really yeah. confusing. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is what was violet is now often called blue violet, even though violet is a bluish purple color. So blue violet is just, it's just violet, yeah. right? It should yeah. just be called violet, okay? Definitely. And then redder leaning purples where a lot of deeper hues of magenta might fall are oft referred to as, wait for it, what do you think it is? Actually, I'm going to quiz you. What do you think it is? Red violet? Red violet, that's right. <laughs> And what was purple, the midpoint between violet, now called blue violet, I guess, and, and red leaning purples, now called red violet, I guess, is now called violet. If this makes sense. Please let me know because I don't think it makes any sense. Well, whether or not it makes sense because of this. Not a breath. We have to catch a breath. We have to be flexible enough to use violet and purple interchangeably, yes. even though our position here at Art Slice LDCTC is that they are very different. Muy diferentes. Yeah. So now that we've said all of that, let's finally get into the characteristics of purple. Mm. And as we know by now, sometimes called violet. Yeah, let's not bring that up again. Let's not. Or maybe we will throughout the episode. I'm not sure. Keep you on your toes. Might bring it up. Much like our 50% white, 50% red platonic pink. The unholy aioli, I believe it was called. My fave aioli. Right. Yeah, no, yes. no. Purple, at least theoretically, is a mixture of 50% red and 50% blue. Mm. But much like with pink, it's not that simple when mixing the pigments, right? Which, once again, are not wavelengths, just distilled into a powder. Pigments have their own unique chemicals, metals, tendencies, whatever. Likes, interests. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and many, when they mingle, just end up making a muddy brown. Yes. For example, artists in the Middle Ages mixed pigments like the blue lapis lazuli with reddish ochre or... Cinnabar. Sounds delicious. Doesn't yeah. it? For dyes, they might use a cochineal mm. in all of its buggy glory <laughs> with an indigo or woad. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit overwoded. I don't know about you. I'm I'm okay. Thank okay. You. So all of those are theoretically purple, mm. yes, but they are more earthy. Listeners, I don't know if any of you grew up eating the cotton candy, rainbow tricks yogurts mm. from like the 90s, mm -mm. the ones with the red and blue side by side. No, doesn't sure. ring a bell. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I remember mixing them up and expecting to get purple, right? Mm. Red plus As you blue equals yeah. purple. No, actually, it would just create a really disappointing gray. Yeah, It sounds like a cotton candy disappointment. Yeah, and I like gray. Okay. But listeners, if you don't want a purple letdown, you have to consider mm. each unique pigment. So you know how blue is typically considered a cool color and red is typically considered a warm color? Yes. You got to switch those. You okay. got to switch those around. You got to okay. sw switch and swap, okay? Forget all of it. <laughs> Grab your cool leaning reds like your quinacridone red or magenta or alzarin and your warm leaning blues. There's really only two, the ultramarine or the endothrone blue to make the holy aioli. Oh, okay. okay. Can't eat that. And... <laughs> For, for your earthier purples, if you don't have lapis or, or cinnabar, cinnabins, cinnabons, play around with some combinations of cooler blues or greenish blues and reds. But I'm going to let you in on a, on a little secret of mine, uh, listeners, secret yeah. listeners, which is I, I just grabbed the uh, the uh, violet paint, the purple violet paint. Straight out of the, the tube. The, the purple violet paint. 
Yeah. I mean, there are so many good ones, like the finicky but beautiful cobalt violet, which can be deep and dense or warm and fuzzy. And then patron at the Viridian Killer Thank you, VK. mentioned her favorite, dioxazine purple, which is a perfect dark purple straight out of the tube that goes all playful and kind of Easter eggy when you add a little bit of white. <laughs> yes. There is also manganese violet, which mm. is velvety and ever so slightly red. Love manganese. And almost imperceptibly brownish, making it an incredibly useful tool. I really love metallic purples. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like a, like a sparkly top coat sort okay. of situation. Something nebulous. Deep. It deep. Could be. Yeah. Could be nebulous. Like, but sparkly on top. That's what I'm envisioning. Ooh, I love that. Okay. Yes. No. I, so I'm thinking specifically of interference violet. Okay. It has okay. like a brilliant shimmer. Yeah. Love yeah. it. I think really the trick is that the depth of purple, which is never ending, mm. um, really lends itself to the sparkles. Absolutely. Right? Listeners, if you have any purple mixtures or other color mixtures that you love, please let us know in the comments. So now that we've arrived at a baseline enough baseline purple for the question of saturation, many of them are slightly transparent Mm. or need a couple of layers before they can solidly cover an area, but they are highly saturated. As listener at DMV Chick mentioned, these kinds of purples are, quote, excellent for depth and shadow. Value-wise, straight out of the tube, most have a very dark value, mm-hmm. but even many of the mid-range hues are found in the lower half of the value scale. When a bit of white is added, they turn like that more friendly, like Easter egg Lakers, Barney kind of purple, <laughs> still darkish and saturated, but covering much better. Mm. On to temperature. At High Heeled Pancakes, describe purple as, quote, mysticism, <laughs> Amethyst, is it warm or is it cool? Your guess is as good as ours. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah. that purple haze effect. Right. It's it's kind of both. 72 degrees and overcast warm, but not that warm. Yeah, kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. And, exactly. <laughs> and like beautiful mystical stones, mm. baseline purple doesn't read as organic to me, but it also doesn't read as synthetic, even though we are synthesizing it with our ojos. Yeah, it's it's or it was once organic, but then it touched some petri dishes, mm-hmm. or yeah. vice versa. We don't know. Digitally speaking, digital. We try to digital. buy. <laughs> we. <Lee>. Tr- <laughs> We tried to buy purple lights from several (laughs) places, hitting up those after Halloween sales for purple LED Mm. cobwebs, eyeballs, and even some lava lamps. But most of them honestly looked really jarring, like icicle uh, (laughs) violet white, except for these lava lamps. Right, because they're just illuminated dyes and paraffin wax in a little glass tube with a a light bulb underneath it. I don't know if you know how a a lava lamp works. The problem is the light itself. Since purple is a darker value, like we just mentioned, you're really going to struggle to make it when you bring light, light, the opposite of darkness, into the equation. So it's almost like you need a a purple encasement, like a color gel, to really get that purple glow. Yes. Or some other materials. I don't know. Yeah, you do you. Yes. So you remember those street lamps that we mentioned before, the Mm -hmm. ones that turned purple? If you just stare at the bulb, you'll notice that they are actually almost pink. But the color that ends up being projected is a deep bluish purple as it moves through the dark atmosphere. Which is the the bulb in this case. Yes. The the purple encasement. (laughs) Purple's weird. I I think that's what we've learned. Yes. All right. All right. Let's get into an abbreviated history of purple, which has a lot of baggage. Like a bag that you have to carry from the bottom Okay, that is made of reticulated foam <laughs> and, and it is sprayed multiple times 
with okay. a very deep royal purple spray paint. Kind of has the texture of sandpaper. Gotcha. If you, <laughs> if you wonder how can a color have so much baggage, let's pause for a moment to consider the optics of King Charles III. He was recently promising the British people that the government would start to control inflation uh. as he sits on his gold throne wearing royal purple robes and a $6 billion ermine-trimmed, gold-bejeweled purple crown. Optics aren't great there. Not nope. the greatest optics to be delivering that sort of message to the people, the nope. working-class people of, of, of British. Of, of British. Of British. Yes. Our big, our big brother British. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. But, but let's wheel the history of purple on back, shall we, to mm. a time when wagon wheel axles were standardized mm-hmm. and China was unified by the brutal and obsessively paranoid Emperor Qin Shi Huang. Uh, violent, a violent man, but but what a time, Stephanie, what a time mm-hmm. for axles, like you mentioned. Uh, big, long walls, okay? <laughs> standardized <laughs> currency, he yeah. standardized the currency. Uh-huh. And a great time, maybe the golden era for, for castrations. A golden castration? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Golden cat? No, I mean, but the, the, he standardized castrations. Let's, okay. Well, I'll put it that way. Okay. <laughs> well, coincidentally, yeah. it was also a golden era for purple. Okay. I, maybe I should have said the the purple era for castrations. A purple <laughs> era for castrations. But anyway, this purple that we speak of yes. was likely Han purple, a very dark and blue leaning or blue violet leaning uh, <laughs> purple. Uh, Hot purple had been around for many years in China. It was an early synthetic pigment made by melting sand, copper, and barium at extremely high temperatures. Color was significant in Chinese mythology and culture Mm. and thus important to emperors. But those colors were predominantly the Confucianist colors. Black, red, white, yellow, and Qing, Mm. which is a blue-green slash green-blue. Speaking of Confucius, uh, he was not a fan, Stephanie, of One Purple. He thought it kind of took took the power away from red. He was a big fan of red. You know, he he, he liked the the luster, right? Okay. The fire of red. So not a big purple rain guy. That's too bad. (laughs) Colors that fell outside of those Confucius-approved colors, like Han Purple, were not high in demand. Mm. But that all started to change when Qin Shi Huang took over. All of a sudden, we start to see a trickle of purple in wall paintings, ceramics, and other crafts. Mm. But since Han Purple required such specific methods to produce it, it yielded very little color. Mm. So its scarcity meant you could charge an arm and a leg for it. Or, or, or a castration. Charge an <laughs> arm, leg, or castration. That too. Yeah. That too. You so. know, the, it's a valuable appendage. That's why they do the, this Sorry, is the money this? sign, you know? Is like, it? Well, you know, like a, because of castration. Okay. So you, you know, just. <laughs> like, it, like your cup. Chin, uh, I'm just going to call him Chin, was not only obsessed with purple, he was also obsessed, even from an early age, with eternal life. That's weird. The first, <laughs> the first thing he did as a king was start to build his tomb for the afterlife, filled with thousands of terracotta warriors, each about six foot tall and 600 pounds. He really wanted a round number there with weapons, vehicles, and accessories created with mix-and-match molds. And many, many of those terracotta warriors were in fact decked out in armor with accents of purple, Han purple. Oh. Apparently, during some of the early excavations, the colored lacquer disappeared right in front of said excavator's eyes. Didn't didn't like the modern air. Didn't like our modern (laughs) air quality. Not as tough as we are today. It was the 70s. Who knows? All the the lead in the air. (laughs) 
Uh, Cheen was worried that the souls who died for him in combat, many of whom he had castrated, might want to return the favor in the afterlife unless they had fancy new bodies to inhabit. So hopefully, and I don't know if any like art historians have checked this, checked the, you know, have checked it. Um, <laughs> hopefully, he gave them back their, uh, you know, gave it, gave it back. Great question. Yeah. Great question. That's what I ask. <laughs> the important ones. Purple's popularity slowly made its way to neighboring Japan, where purple, or murasaki-iro, primarily came from a rare small flower found in the Gromwell family. It was during the Heian period Mm. that the dye, specifically a deeper hue produced from the root, became associated with the aristocracy and thus was labeled kinjiki, Mm. or forbidden color, meaning off-limits to ordinary people, so only the emperor gets to wear this color. Okay. Um, But side note, it can also mean erotic love or same-sex love. Okay, so erotic, same-sex love for the uh, emperor only. That's what I'm reading. <laughs> in purple. All in purple. I guess, yeah. I guess so. And a grimace high, just nude. And same-sexed <laughs> and erotic. Okay. Where are those um, prints? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Keep digging. But right now, uh. we're going to temporarily set sail from Japan to the Oaxacan coast of Mexico, mm. where a booming aquaculture of the Mixtec people has existed for centuries. And where you can find sustainable, reliable, and deeply saturated purple dyes, all from milking. Yes, that is right. Milking ocean-dwelling snails. Um, Not quite like the funk from mm. the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> So the snails are called tishinda, which means sacred snail. Mm. And Russell Mm. listeners, you might be asking yourselves, how does such a snail-reliant practice remain sustainable for centuries? Yes, how does such a snail-reliant practice remain sustainable for centuries? Yes, correct, correct. Well, the Mishtek people respected the tishinda. Mm. They observed them and soon discovered the best time to milk was during the full moon between October and March. They also learned what age the snail should be for best milking Mm. results. And they even knew where to pluck them from the rocks so they could put them right back after milking, ensuring they would have enough for themselves, but more importantly, enough for the snail's survival. After some time, they learned that the snails could live up to 30 years if they maintained their practice this way. It sounds like they're paving the streets in purple, Definitely. basically, with this, yep. with, this, with this milking practice. Spilling it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's actually super interesting because there are still a few people who practice this. Mm. So given that it's the right time of year and that it's a full moon... I'm going to climb. I'm going to climb onto the slippery rocks by the shore. Okay, right? so you're the Shinda milker in this case. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Um, I got some white, some white yarn in tow. Okay. okay. Then I'm gonna pluck a tishinda off the rock surface. Okay. Okay. I'm holding onto it from their shell. I'm gonna flip them over. Okay. Little belly side up. Okay. I'm gonna press on the tishinda tummy. The little tummy. Yeah. A little okay. Tummy. And it's gonna pee itself in in self defense. Okay. okay. That's gonna happen. Okay. But then, <laughs> but then. It starts to seep this thick milk. All right. And I'm catching that milk. I'm catching that milk with my white yarn. And then once the milky liquid oxidizes, Mm. it begins to turn a vibrant purple. Once the milking is done, Mm. Lil Tishinda goes right back to its rock surface, Casa. So this was the practice for hundreds of years. Sure. Even after they were colonized, that is until 1981. 
with the arrival of Imperial Purple Incorporated. Mm. You see, in subsequent years in Japan, purple was no longer considered kinjiki. Okay. And thus, the purple wedding kimono business was a booming. The purple erotic wedding kimono business. <laughs> Gay erotic yeah. wedding kimono business. Yes. Okay. Yes. Any combo you want. Any yeah. combo you like. Mix it up. <laughs> Mix it up. Yeah. All kinds of purples. Okay. So now... <laughs> Imperial Purple Incorporated needed to find new sources for said purple. So after hundreds of years of a sustainably and kindly sourced purple by the Mishtek people, mm. Imperial Purple Incorporated inked a contract with the Mexican government. Purple ink, yeah. <laughs> yes, and they proceeded to decimate the Tishinda population in only four years. Okay. So instead of following the Mishtek ways, the Imperial Purple fishermen harvested uh. Year-round, scooping up juveniles and adults alike. They're not following the the, the milking practices. Breaking the, all the, the, the milking calendar. Correct. Breaking all of the milking mm-hmm. rules, okay? And they're destroying tens of thousands in the process. Oh, my God. Yes. And they probably didn't even press on their little milk tummies nicely. They weren't nice. They probably just had the original fucking grimace out there, four-thumbed, clumsy grimace out there, just milking <laughs> indiscriminately. <laughs> That's why it's so fucking okay. purple, Stephanie. It's just like pouring down... His hide, uh, staining his hide purple. From that's why he's purple. Oh, yeah. That's why he. Hey, that's why he <laughs> likes milkshakes. <laughs> he's he was very efficient though with those four yeah. um, scooping arms. Fat thumbs. Just a mitt. Nubs. Just a mitt, just like <laughs> pressing, not even nicely. Okay, no, no. You got you got to milk nicely, <laughs> sustainably. Mm. Um, but. T- <laughs> <laughs> to protect the Tishinda population, those who knew the proper ways of maintaining it organized and filed a complaint to the Mexican government, mm. arguing that an ancient cultural practice as well as a way of life was being destroyed. Against all odds, the contract was uninked. Mm. Wipe that purple milk mustache smile from your face. Yes. Yes. Yes, do that. Um, and so the Tishinda Caracol Purpura fell under Protección Federal. Mm. However, the same cannot be said for the Mexican mollusk's Mediterranean cousins, the Murex snail, mm. which was the main ingredient for the red wine-leaning yeah. Tyrian purple. Red, red violet. Tyrian red violet, I think is what you mean. Maybe. And the biggest producer was the city of Tyre uh. in a strip of seaside land today known as Lebanon. But in ancient times, because of their Tyrian dye trade, was called Phoenicia by the Greeks, which meant land of purple. Thus, the people living the there, the fish. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thus, the Phoenicians were called purple people. Yeah. All right. So the legend goes that the Phoenician god of the city of Tyre, Melkart, was on his way to seduce a sea nymph named Tyrus. Mm. And so he brought along his doggo as a wingman because everybody loves dogs. Okay. So the sensitive buff guy is on the salty seashore. Melquats. Yeah, Melquats. <laughs> yeah, Might as well. Yeah. Uh, so he's just walking his doggo, walking along beachside, talking mm. loudly, as you might. Trying to get the attention of that sea nymph, Tyrus. This is, uh, this is entirely too calculated. A little bit. She's a sea nymph. She's going to see right through that. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But all of a sudden, plot twist, he notices <laughs> his dog's boca is stained a reddish purple. Okay. Doggo was yeah, having a, a little... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's having a little snack. A little spiny mirror snack. Okay. So it's really like who actually discovered the dye, right? The mm. dog or the god. So it's depending who you ask. It's depending who you ask, right? <laughs> Bumper sticker, purple paw print, uh, who discovered who, parentheses, purple double parentheses, red violet, and double parentheses, 
And parentheses. Thank you. Yeah. Grammar is important. To everyone's surprise, Tyrus does appear okay. from a good distance in the ocean. Okay, not sure how this is going to work, but sure. She's like, hey, I heard you talking loudly, mm. but in order for me Showing to be interested dog. in you and your dog yeah. as a wingman. You have to grow gills. <laughs> really is what we're coming down to. Not even. Okay. She's like, you got to make me a dress out of that purple and then we'll talk, she says. But honestly, I'm not sure what happens to her or the dog or okay. the dress. It's a mystery. It's yeah. history. That I don't know. So <laughs> so old Mel mm. uses that purple Merrick's knowledge to make fat stacks of money. Mm. Money. Meanwhile, the Minoans also had their own purple producing snail. Mm. And they might have even beaten the Phoenicians to the discovery of snail milk as a source of dye. You know, it makes me wonder why we don't have our own purple producing snail. Seems like everybody else has one. Right. You feeling a little left out? Mm. A little, a little milk deprived. A little... <laughs> But the Phoenicians actually won. They won They won that battle because they produced mucho mas ounces of Tyrian purple, okay. which depending on where it was harvested could be earthy, bright crimson, or bluish. But the most preferred hue was that of dried blood. Uh. Surprising, right? So these little snails were so beloved for their purple power that they were immortalized in their own little mosaic as seen here in Herculaneum. Right next to the, <laughs> the Cupid Tiller Grimace. <laughs> Probably not too far off. Unfortunately, the actual life and legacy of these snails was not immortalized. Yeah, they were demortalized. Yes. Yeah, right. unmortalized. Right. Instead, yeah, you can say it. You can say it. Unmortalized. Unmortalized. Demortalized. So, <laughs> so instead of the Mishtek catch, milk, and release method, entire snail ecosystems were destroyed, their shells would be cracked open, and their little bodies boiled mm. until that milk was released. To be fair, this is how we get bovine, almond, oat milk, all the, all the milks, goat milk. Okay. You just crack them open, boil them, boil okay. them up. That's how, hey, that's how you get that Trix yogurt. Um, rises to the top. Okay. You take the red, you scoop the red off, you scrape the red off, scrape the blue off. Uh-huh. It's Trix yogurt. Okay. Scrapings. Cotton candy flavored? Cotton cotton candy scrapings. Okay. Seems like a weird yogurt. Okay. You think the sourness of the yogurt would counteract the cottonness of the candy? Okay. Move on. (laughs) Okay. All right. So this um, cracking and boiling, this Mm. was by the hundreds of thousands, which didn't even produce that much purple. Okay. We're talking about all of that destruction for just mere ounces of dye. But boy, oh boy, did they make mountains of ounces. Mountains of these empty shells still litter the outskirts of these ancient cities. And they are on the outskirts of these ancient cities because that dirty, sour, purple milk smelled like (laughs) fermented piss and rotting shellfish, which would, in fact, make you grimace. It would make you grimace if you smelled it. I'm surprised at how much you can keep that going. Much like Han Purple, the amount of work that went into producing Tyrion dye meant that it would become the color of kings, nobles, priests, and magistrates. Cleopatra, the famous Greek Macedonian queen of Egypt, loved the stuff. Loved the stuff. (laughs) According to legend, and there are many, her boat had purple sails, even her sofas were purple. Basically, anywhere that there was fabric to be dyed was dyed purple. In order to sneak into Julius Caesar's quarters for some low-down romance... Little little C&C time? C. Cleopatra was rolled up in a purple rug, burrito style, right, to obscure <laughs> her vestige. Uh, rumor spread that Caesar liked giant tarot burritos and, <laughs> and a, pro- a proto-Chipotle-like chain was was created. Okay. Big Caesars? Yeah. Okay. Big, big Caesars bees. <laughs> if all of these legends are to be taken as true, the number of snails required would have likely exterminated the genus. Despite the validity of these legends, 
Hollywood crammed a lot of dazzling purple mm. into the 1963 four-hour epic film Cleopatra starring Elizabeth Taylor, who coincidentally was said to have had violet eyes. Mm. Or purple eyes. Centuries later, this purple torch was passed to the Byzantine 0.001%. Okay, they were immortalized in the hue. Okay. Royals were birthed in chambers Ooh. decked out in the rare purpley lapis porphyry rock. Wait, there's a, there's a purple lapis? Yes, okay. there is Okay. Yes. And then, of course, you have that combo with the uh, Tyrian purple fabric. So the first thing the 0.001% bebes would see is purple, right? So mm. they were born in the purple. So technically, we could give birth to a royal in here. But yeah, I, I don't. We could be midwives and, and shepherd the ruling class into the world, but I would, I would prefer not to. Cats. We would just like hit them on Cats. the head. Cats born in the purple. When they're born. <laughs> with a lapis stone. Bonk. Okay. Lapis like hammer. Bonk. <laughs> Lapis tools of the revolution. Yep. I love it. Love it. Over 1,000 miles north of the Byzantine Empire in Northern Europe, you didn't even need to be that adjacent to the 0.001% to wear purple. Okay. Take Mr. Arnolfini's tabard uh. from Jan van Eyck's The Arnolfini Portrait from 1434. Yeah, this is like a more dour Protestant Duke, Duke de Berry ho- hoopalon. <laughs> That's right. The flamingo hide. Yeah, but dark, uh, like a black flamingo. <laughs> right. And they talk about black swans, you have a black flamingo here. Ka- yeah, he's not eating of. enough uh, carotenoid loaded foods. Cr- no, he's sure. not. He's no, eating he's a lot of black not. garlic. Yes. Yeah. Something fermented. Sure. That it's is like true. The fan- he likes the fancy stuff. It's all about the quiet luxury. Right. We'll never know. And like many other mysteries that this painting presents, we don't know if Mr. Arnolfini wore Tyrion. But like patron VK pointed out that his tabard, quote, has a purple underlay, which is meant to be hidden, mm. end quote. Um, honestly, that is not something that catches my eye when I first look at this painting. But upon a closer inspection, you can appreciate the subtle medley of purples. Uh, so maybe there's some uh, fugitive reds in that in that little uh, purpley potion. Definitely. Coupolande potion. Yes, I love that. Yeah, Hoopalon, right. tabard potion, definitely. Hoopalande, I think is what I said, <laughs> which I think works. And yes. I would like uh, historians to start using that. And speaking of fading, eventually, uh. war after war after war after war led to the recipe for Tyrian purple to be lost for centuries. Mm. But uh, hitting the uh, fast forward VHS button to around the 19th uh, century, uh, the few pure purple colors, not mixtures of red and blue that were available were still found primarily via the land flora from the earth. You know, the Gromwell flower. Mm. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) Which uh, yielded very little dye and was grueling work, right? Keeping the pure purple in the hands of those born into the proverbial purple, the the 0.0001%. That is all until mauve or mauve, however you say it. When 18-year-old British chemist William Perkins was trying to come up with a cure for malaria, not listening to Me Without You CDs and giving himself bad haircuts like (laughs) I was. But instead, he accidentally invented uh, mauve-laria, okay? (laughs) Becoming the first synthetic aniline dye, as we discussed in our Magenta episode. Right. So if you'll remember, this oopsie also gave us quinacridone pigments of many shades, first for garish British military uniforms and then equally garish Victorian fashion. Mm. 
And if you remember back to our cobalt blue episode, a few years later, the same discoveries that led to the cobalt blue pigment would also lead to cobalt violet. And then a few years after that, manganese oxide would be used for manganese violet paint. And thus, it was only a matter of time before these new colors would wind up, as patron at Ezreal's art pointed out, on Claude Monet's palette, violet oil paints, i.e. purple, became the glue, the foundational color responsible for that haystack feeling. There are hundreds upon hundreds of paintings Monet made all saturated in a cobalt violet glow, right? Mm -hmm. He was one of the first to discover that purple was better than pure black for defining shadow. And he declared that the fresh air that we all breathe, the the same fresh air that years later would disintegrate the terracotta warriors, uh, Han's purple coating was in fact violet that the the true color of the atmosphere was in fact violet so stephanie Mm -hmm. listeners uh let's all do a little uh meditation together shall we you down real quick okay let's all close our eyes Mm -hmm. take a deep breath that Mm -hmm. that fresh purple air and visualize claude monet deeply inhaling past his damp beard and into his nostrils where the purple atmospheric particles form a kind of time and space wormhole traveling through increasingly tightening layers of microscopic polyethylene, eventually building up to a spongy yet sandpapery deep purple mass. And as we begin to exhale, we find ourselves arriving at the end of that time and space wormhole continuum. And as we open our eyes and allow our our visual to slowly come back into focus, a half curvaceous, half sharply mandibled but vaguely tyrannosaurian shape hmm. a, a, a cartoon well, it looks like he had buccal fat please, surgery please keep, please keep meditating okay. a cartoonish but 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 with sunken hollow black eyes like the eyes of of, of a domesticated dog that, that was long abandoned forever still seeking the affection of its cruel owner Aww. forever in a fugue state just repeating the same song over and over and over again. I am, of course, speaking of the original 1988 Barney. Listeners, basically every one of you mentioned Barney, mm-hmm. the much maligned purple dinosaur. And also most of you were really mean yeah. to Barney, except for listener Masa. Thank you, Masa. Who sweetly described the show as, quote, the one I watched when I couldn't speak English mm. very well, end quote. So the show did serve a purpose. A purpose, yes. Uh, Barney, whether it was that original late 80s Barney that was, uh, quote, reticulated foam and sprayed with a royal purple dye due to the fabric of the foam, it it made the costume not pleasant to touch, which made it have the same feeling as sandpaper, which he did give a lot of hugs, so you think that would be a little bit of an issue. Or the 90s to present Barney, which is a a friendlier, kind of like more October Tashinda moon harvest shade. Uh, this dinosaur thing was many of our first introduction to purple. Mine, though, uh, and I stick to this, was Darkwing Duck. Let, let's get dangerous. It's really chalky. <coughs> yes. 
Listeners, the Pantry Mons have handed us a clipboard filled with your answers. But actually, uh, it looks like we have another visiting color theory and associations research analyst here in the LCDCCCDCCC labs. <laughs> uh, and your lab coat is just totally caked in purple pigment. I don't know. I don't know wow. what's going on in there. Okay. Um, yes, it's, I'm wearing this beautiful, like, Wonka-esque uh, lab coat. Uh, my name is Caldwell Tanner. Uh, you might know me from Not Another d Podcast, uh, occasionally on Drawfee, uh, and uh, also uh, a storyboard artist for Big City Greens back in the day, but now mostly a podcaster for Not Another d Podcast. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you all. Uh, I'm so sorry about all of the dye that I have gotten on your hands during that handshaking procedure. We'll, we'll deal with it. We're It'll be okay. It. Yeah. Make it tie-dye. You know... Of all the colors, it really does stain the worst, huh? Like a wine stain is just there forever. <laughs> does Keychain clean things up? Can we get him? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> he makes messes. No one in Trinavale is able to clean up a mess. They only make them. They only make messes for sure, for sure. Can you tell us how you first got into art? Well, um, I've always wanted to uh, draw. I think initially my my dream, my dream job was uh, to be uh, a cartoonist. I wanted to be like a newspaper cartoonist. Oh. Um, I remember like growing up, reading all of the comics in the newspaper and like really wanting to draw like comics. And I drew a lot of comics growing up. Like I was uh, a cartoonist in like high school and uh, in college for like the the school newspapers. Uh, and I like drew a lot during that period. And then I was uh, an editorial illustrator over at College Humor mm. um, back when websites existed. But, you know, as as we all know, it's like the, the nature of things, the way like that industries have progressed. Uh, there's not many opportunities for newspaper comics. Uh <laughs> In the current day. So I, I did a lot of like uh, web comics as well. And then I kind of just found my way through like the college humor connection into mm. more of like the comedy scene, because that was one of the main things that drew me to comics and cartooning was the the comedy aspect of it. So from there, I found my way into uh, doing more like comedy, uh, sketch comedy, uh, podcasting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I founded a Drawfee with some folks from College Humor, uh, which is like a comedy drawing show. Yeah. So I feel like for me, it was always like trying to merge comedy and drawing and art uh, together. And I think that's what led me to be a storyboard artist uh, at Disney. And then, you know, that's kind of like what I've been pursuing ever since and when one way or the other. Ideally, you would be like a, a uh, Gary Larson who just retires at some point, just goes off and creates comics whenever you want to. That would be ideal. <laughs> like it just like, yeah, <laughs> live a quiet life and like every 10 years pump out another cow tools. Then like, yeah, I'm set. <laughs> Just, just, yeah, like a single square that people regard with reverence, like a new Larson just dropped, new Tanner just dropped. And uh, and it doesn't even need to be like a good drawing. It can just be like an inscrutable piece of art uh, with like a picture of a, a cow uh, playing trombone. That's all. Yeah, you need. Is it sad? Is it funny? Who knows? Yeah, I'm just going to print it out illegally and put it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll chew on it for a decade. So we're gonna catch you up real quick with where our mm -hmm. listeners are at with purple, and then Great. hopefully we'll get we'll get your input here. Okay, and we'll get some uh, feedback from you too. I'm honored to weigh in. We sent out a small spectrum of swatches, including midnight purple, some burgundy, some iris, Ooh. some yes. puce. <laughs> And I mean, <laughs> listeners, I got to say, y'all's answers took us all over the universe. And yeah. so far, we've come across royalty, magic, <laughs> so many Purple Rain references. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so many mollusks. 
while uh, while y'all were setting up your audio, I like took a look at that video, and yeah. then it just I'm I'm on a full rabbit hole now. <laughs> I'm on like the the Purpura uh, Mollusca like Wikipedia page. I'm I'm learning all about Tyrian purple, uh, which is like the the Roman purple that they would use when they like milked those mollusks. It's great. It's apparently it's like a um. It's from a gland and it's like you can just basically annoy a mollusk enough until they'll produce this ink and you can like literally just sit there. <laughs> the person in the video is doing this. You just kind of like poke it enough and it just like will spit out this like purple colored mucus and you can like dye clothing that way. It's incredible. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, I guess like you forget that that's where colors come from. But no, what, what an amazing discovery. I, I feel like I was not expecting to learn something so incredible right off the bat. So I guess I got to thank you for having me on and, and revealing this fact to me. The cool thing about the milky mollusks is that's still mm -hmm. happening, but it is an endangered practice. <laughs> There's oh. not enough mollusks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Are the species endangered or the practices endangered? Both. Both. Well, I think they Damn. used to just like crush them up and just like get rid of them afterwards. Yeah. But now they milk them. Now you milk. Okay. You get a, you get a steady yeah. flow of purple. Yeah. <laughs> you got to practice milk and release. <laughs> Have we milked every mollusk? <laughs> like, do we know all the colors that are out there? I don't. That's a very good question. Could this be our Pokemon? Like, just to like milk every mollusk and like find out if there are colors we don't know about. Yeah, and then I see a, a best-selling like app where we can oh echo locate, <laughs> geolocate <laughs> responsibly. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, of course, milk with two eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Please continue. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, no, you no, are you so good. So some other answers that we got. We got sunsets. We got grape soda that tastes more purple than grape. We also got Lisa mm. Frank and mushroom yeah. trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just going to Yeah, I, I do. I feel like purple is like, it's a color that kind of, to me, it's like cosmic and it, it represents like things beyond like your, your normal scope and understanding in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, like people seeing it on trips totally makes sense. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, I have a story about that, but I don't know if I should share. No, please do. I, I have to take everyone's word for it. I wouldn't. Well, I was saying I was that. I was tripping and I was taking a bubble bath and you could see the okay, bubbles. Okay. And yeah, you could see like the pink and the purple layers. It really changed my painting. Don't do LSD, though. Mm. It's not, it does mess you up. I only did it once. It does. Yeah. Really yeah, just do mushrooms. Come on. <laughs> That's why we invented mushrooms. Just do I those. was in college. Okay. <laughs> That's what you do in college. <laughs> this is my, yeah, this is my like very bad PSA. It's like, don't do LSD. That, that's what mushrooms are yeah, for. Mushrooms are better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just do the safer drugs. Come on. <laughs> it will inform your work and be a little bit safer. <laughs> so listener Masa summed up the general consensus on the pure purple side of that spectrum, succinctly describing it as holographic, glittering, velvety, Gay, but also mm -hmm. Waluigi. <laughs> they all go together. I mean, I love that one. This this Waluigi is perfect, and I do think that like I, I feel like in the same way that there is not to bring it fully back to Big City Greens, the show I worked on, mm -hmm. shame shamelessly. Um, <laughs> but like every generation has a yellow character. Mm -hmm. You've got your Bart Simpson. You've got your SpongeBob. <laughs> oh. Uh, you've got your your cricket green. I mean, there's always like a hole in our hearts and it must be filled with uh, an annoying yellow character. Some sort of yellow character. <laughs> yeah. And in the same way, I think that there must be a, a purple menace mm -hmm. every 10 years or so as well. Because you had like Grimace and then you had Barney and then oh, you yeah? had Waluigi. So like there's always some sort of like. I, I'm trying to like how, figure out how to like, you know, uh, coalesce them into like one descriptor, but they're always kind of like, yeah, slightly menacing. Uh, I would say Barney, Barney has a menacing energy as Absolutely. well. But, like, yeah, they're 
A menacing trickster is maybe the way to describe all. <laughs> He's off in the inky, purpley, inky shadows, just plotting. Grimace was like unknowable. Mm-hmm. Like you see Grimace and you're like, you're up to something, but I don't know if I'll ever. Like if I were to discover your machinations, I would die at your hands. <laughs> like <laughs> we're not ready to Nothing. know what's behind that blob, <laughs> that just blob those, shell. <laughs> those half-lidded dead eyes, just being like, you, you delve too deep. <laughs> is that what he sounds like? I have no idea what he sounds like. Does he have a- I don't know. It might sound like that. It's been a while. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I actually have a Grimace story later on when we get to the, the proper yes. segment. So <laughs> he, he was very back. formative in my in my early years, if, if I remember to tell it. <laughs> that sounds weird, but <laughs> I'm very excited. I, I didn't know if this was going to be another tripping story or not. This one, not so I, much, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I met Grimace. I became Grimace. Oh. I was Grimace. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. No, you're good. So for Jake the Human at Jake mm-hmm. Rubric Art, purple is poisonous amphibians, neon signs, and cyberpunk dystopias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I feel it. And then Modest mm-hmm. G rounded us out with that more earthy, pucy. Am I saying that right? Pucy purple? Puce. 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 say it with a friend. I don't know. I mean, like, how else would you say it? Puce? Puce? Puce. I do really bad. Puce. I know all of it. I'm just like, I don't feel like I should be saying that out loud um yeah pucey go with pucey 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 uh but it reminded her of dusty violet and wet desert dirt which i love that description spider veins and bruised skin so beautiful 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 oh my gosh yeah wet desert dirt is sending me a little bit Uh, i'm (laughs) picturing like you know like the red sunset Mm -hmm. over it and you kind of get that like purple hue on like a sandy uh desert dirt that's like had like a rare rain. That's oh man, Beautiful. that's a rare puce. That no, even <laughs> even when it's dry, it has a little bit, of, a little bit of that violet in there. Just a, a little, little bit, bit of that. God, I wish I could milk that. God, I wish that was available for milking. But no, you got to go to the desert to see it. <laughs> just hey, you're in the laboratory, so you can you can just play around with some experiments. But that's not what I want. I don't want the laboratory experiment. I want to just like I want to pluck a snail. You want the from field research? Oh, do you want a poking <laughs> yeah. stick? We do have a poking stick in like one of the rooms. <laughs> Great, yeah. Um, I, I specifically requested a copper poking rod. Okay. Uh, for, for my snail research, we can copper coat it. We might have to like steal some from the uh, neighbors, but we can do that. Okay, yeah. yeah. If we could just strip a little wire. That'd yeah. Be fantastic. So let me break Thank into you. their basement. <laughs> Question numero uno: When you look at this spectrum of purple, what immediately comes to mind for you? Oh, um, so you mentioned this. A little bit already, and I had kind of a twist on it, but I think I'm also in the the, the royalty vein. Mm-hmm. When I first think about purple, and I think about like my like first primary memories with purple, it is kind of that like crushed velvet purpley color. Mm-hmm. But when I delve deeper into it, I realize that like why I associate it so closely with like royalty isn't because of like any specific like image of royalty. It's actually because of um, the movie Aladdin. Uh, okay. And that scene where Aladdin turns into a prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's got that like purple gemstone and a big purple feather on the top of his turban. And I didn't know at the time that that was there because it's like his vest is also purple. And I think it's supposed to symbolize like, oh, you can never truly hide who you are. You're always wearing it like right on the forefront. Mm. Um, but as a kid, I was just like, that gemstone looks delicious. <laughs> I want I want to have a gemstone like this. Um, I don't know if it's because it had that like kind of jelly texture mm-hmm. um, and just looked like so shiny and like beautiful. But like there was something about it that just like awoke something in me where I was just like purple. Mm-hmm. That is like the color of like desire and just 
I don't know. It like not like exo- not exotic maybe, but like it it just like it was like a color I had never considered until I saw that like gemstone and that feather. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that's like such an exciting thing. Like maybe I just wanted a cool little gym is what I wanted. <laughs> um, and I'm still I'm still looking for that cool little gym. But uh, yeah, that I think that's like my earliest experience with with purple. In addition to grimace, of course. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's like why I gravitated towards art because I realized mm-hmm. like I'm I'm not going to wear this gemstone but like i can certainly give characters gemstones and mm-hmm. use purple in artwork and i think like that's i'm not i'm not here to like wear something fancy i'm here to like give that to other people and, and share it through art and i think that's that's my gemstone experience absolutely i love that, I love that. well going back to mm-hmm. like early experiences with purple actually jake the human he also mentioned like the ava unit 01 i think it was and i remember oh, like hell yeah sun coast like videos mm-hmm. <laughs> Seeing that like purple and then like mm-hmm. uh, fluorescent green, just beautiful, yeah. just jumping off of the VHS. I think that was the moment when I when I first really noticed purple and I really noticed how beautiful it was. Because before that, like I went to this really strict Christian school and mm-hmm. their colors were purple and gold. I hated that purple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with uh, purple being physically harder to see. I was talking with my friend who's like a, a color artist uh, for animation. And she was saying that, like, yeah, it's a, it's a low luminous color. Like you can't if you're using it for like lighting, it's it's very difficult to work with for that reason. Um, it's like it's much easier to shade with in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like it's tricky. And like even in that like uh, Ava Unit 01 model, like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of like green highlights and stuff to help like make the character pop a little more. Oh, yeah, it's it's true. Totally, totally. It, it's almost like fiber or something. It's like a healthy fiber that you have to digest. Like it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna sit in your stomach a little bit longer before you recognize it. Yeah, you really got to train your eye on purple. You really you gotta, do. Just again, <laughs> go to your get like a uh, an amethyst obelisk and keep it in your room. <laughs> just look at it once a day, and it'll it'll sort you out. Yeah, then you'll start spotting it everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but no, yeah, Ava Unit 1, like what a what a great pull. That's another I do think that again, it's we have like iconic characters in every color and like uh Ava Unit 1 was like the one that really it just it tossed the door wide open, I think. There were yeah, I remember just oh my god, just being a little kid, just your little art brain just blew up. And I remember the first mm-hmm. thing I did was bought the uh the new type like art of Evangelion back in the day just oh just to see all yeah. the like sketches and stuff. Oh man. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. We're right, at the yeah, watch. I, that. Think, yeah. seen it. I have not. I've heard so much about it. <laughs> we'll just be depressed all like, weekend. I, I do think like you get a lot just from looking at it, just from being like, look at that. Look at that skinny robot. Look at that robot. That's this is the only robot that could wear jeans. And I think that's important. Skinny, skinny jeans. jeans. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I guess like, yeah, most Gundams could wear like Jinkos. Yeah. Oh my um, God. But I'm trying yeah, like I'm I'm trying to think I'm going down the list of like all the robots and mobile suits. And it's like, it's true. Like, I think Gundam might be the only one that could fit into a pair of like bootcut jeans. Like <laughs> the the rest of them, with they're just too chunky. They're too thick. Yeah. I'm trying to think like what Mechagodzilla would wear because he would have those chunky, chunky like calves. I think probably jorts. OK. For Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Should we should we chase this? I'm going down the list here. Um you know, you got like uh, the Nervosh from Eureka 7. That's a chunky robot right there. <laughs> definitely going to need uh, some like Jinkos. Or maybe like you could definitely do like a relaxed Chino on that. Um, <laughs> what color? What, what Chino? <laughs> are we going for tan or like your typical beige? Or what? Uh, I think tan is the funniest color. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, gosh, this is this is a mental exercise for another podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, it's really exciting me. But yes, uh, this all goes back to say that like, yeah, the the design of uh, Ava Unit One 
is so striking mm-hmm. uh, and that effect that like matched with like the purple just really it it makes your brain fist pump mm-hmm. and i think that that's like something that the color purple can do that a lot of other colors can't is like you see something and like when when purple is deployed well it is exciting and tantalizing in a way that uh, other colors are not also that made me realize like it really needs a supporting cast around it mm-hmm. like i think that's yeah. one of the reasons why like a lot of sports mm-hmm. uniforms fall flat is because they just don't really think about like the color combos that well mm-hmm. like you got your ravens and it's black and purple and that's fine <laughs> yeah that that's why like the lakers colors look so good because mm-hmm. um, they're the same they modeled the colors after your christian school yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well it's a yellow it's not quite a gold but <laughs> that's true yeah it's yeah. a little brighter i mean i'm sure that there are some variant colorways uh that are, are a little more gold i know that um I was at an LA Kings hockey game recently, uh, and they had like a variant jersey that was like the Lakers colors, but since they're the Kings, it was like a little more of like a golden yellow. Um, oh, nice! It looked, it looked real nice. Yeah, I have to look that up. So yeah, have you have you come around on golden yellow as a color combination? I think it can be done well. Anything can be done well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, maybe I'll have to do some sketches. Maybe maybe you'll have to draw up some like <laughs> a- Ava Unit like eight with like gold. <laughs> it's just like golden. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they bring in like another kid uh, who's just like somehow like they're like the son of a czar from Russia <laughs> somehow. They're just like a straight up like royalty. I don't know. That, just jewel like, encrusted. You could put jewels all over it. Yes. Give it to me. That sounds great. I do think that that is the trick, though, is like because you have like the gold and the purple and then you need to like stripe it. So you got to get like some like neon green in there. And that like kind of like makes it not that that breaks the royalty from it. <laughs> now it's edgy. <laughs> yeah, now we're seeing that's it. That's true. All right. Neon green. That's that's a giving it that that nineties edge that I crave. It's gotta have yeah. something day glow. Something day glow in there. <laughs> orange, orange would work well too. That would be really mm-hmm. good. Oh yeah. Now, now I'm just picturing like a traditional like royal robe, uh, but with like, you know, some like neon green or orange day glow in there. Yes. It's it's sick as hell. Yes. That could get me into some czars for sure. Yeah, I could, some yeah. cyberpunk raiments. That's what the oligarchy needs. <laughs> they need some really <laughs> cool. Outfits. <laughs> you know what? I they should hire re-brand. us. We'll do a yeah. successful. People are kind of anti-imperialist these days. <laughs> you need some cool are on the way out, but hey, I think with a fresh coat of paint, we <laughs> we got to rebrand it. You got to rebrand the olig- oligarchy. Just Jeff Bezos with the bald head of the stripe going down his back. I love it. I'm into it. You Amazon know, if Prime. The boots have neon green on it. I'll lick them. Why not? <laughs> Okay, on to question numero dos. Mm, Do mm, you mm. associate this color with any specific memories? Caldwell, this is one of our favorites, actually, mm-hmm. so why don't we start with you? And you did kind of already answer it, but if you got another, yeah, another memory one. back in there. Yeah, I will say I had a, a secondary aspect to the like royalty conversation we were having, which is that like as a result of watching Aladdin and like falling in love with that like purple, we had an assignment in school uh, to like paint ourselves as like a king or queen Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not going to delve into um you know like the 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 psychology of that or why my teachers thought that would be a good idea but it was a cool assignment because i was just like oh hell yeah i can finally give myself like a beautiful purple robe and some like gaudy (laughs) rings you know i can i can finally bring like the the regal sensibility and confidence i have inside myself i can bring that to the forefront so i think that was like one of my early like purple memories it was like getting to like uh like paint this like cool robe and like draw myself as a as a little king um but i was in like first grade i think and i didn't quite know how rings work so i ended up giving myself like basically jewel encrusted brass knuckles oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um which honestly i think like i was on to something 
it wasn't what I was going for, but I think I stumbled onto something even better. Speaking of wearing purple, listeners, it turns out that a lot of you know a person in your life who is passionate about purple. Michael Mm. at michaelreinsch.org says, I once said how much I disliked purple at a pottery show in front of my mother-in-law, who, (gasps) upon closer inspection, was wearing a mostly purple outfit. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) What a perfect comedy scene. (laughs) I can just, I can feel the camera widening out to reveal the like full, just purple, um, like business suit that, that the person is wearing. <laughs> and then you can just blame yeah. it on the, the UV spectrum again. It's like, yo, I didn't yeah. notice it. They, they were wearing, was it the person's mother they said? Mother in law. Uh, Mother in law, yeah. Mother in law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing them actually wearing like the purple gemstone feather from Aladdin. I feel like that would be me, though. I would not see the the gemstone. I would still make that comment. I'm like, oops, yeah. I, I didn't see it there. Yeah. Just too busy looking at your eyes. You're welcome. <laughs> Listener Floxy, on the other hand, is accosted by Purple daily. She says, quote, My neighbor is obsessed with Purple, apparently since the day he watched Purple Rain. He drives a dump truck for his job, and he got it specially painted, Metallic Midnight Grape Purple. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) He also painted his everyday truck a flat purple. Mm -hmm. Then he started fixing up his house directly across my front door. Wow. So far, so good. No. (laughs) I I see. I I have no notes. (laughs) I tried to talk him out of what I knew would be a fun dip Nickelodeon purple house. Mm. Going as far as putting together paint swatches of a more muted, earthy purple combination for him, but no such luck. Instead, I watched as he painted this three-story house entirely violet with grimace purple trim. If that wasn't enough, he even painted over the natural stone skirting with bright reflective white. So you just get that like infinite purple. Mm -hmm. Wow. It accosts the senses. I absolutely hate looking at it. (laughs) We actually have a fun rapport as neighbors, so he knows I hate it. And when I told him I was planning to paint my house yellow, he told me he hated yellow and it only solidified my decision. Smiley face. (laughs) Now he has to look at my ugly yellow house and I have to look at his ugly purple house. The end. It's it's very fun to see complementary colors weaponized in such a way. These colors are supposed to be friends. Like you, you must bury the hatchet. (laughs) You must come together. I think that they should be forced. I don't know if we offer rulings on this show. Oh, no. please do. Yeah. yeah. I think that they should be forced to incorporate um, one of each other's colors. I think there should be a color swap. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Maybe just like paint paint one. They need to paint their mailboxes, the, the other colors. Or they have to switch some siding. That would be great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or maybe um, you, uh, Floxy, need to just put a grimace on your roof. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I guess uh, your neighbor could put like a big bird on their roof. Uh, and I think they just need to be up there and they just kind of need to be like staring each other down. Yeah, that's that's the uh, the Sesame Street. Literally, the Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, about Grimace the other neighbors was cast though? out? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the housing co-op that controls Sesame Street <laughs> cast Grimace out. Uh, did not. <laughs> the board did not like him. He was rejected. <laughs> I, there's a picture of this house in the doc y'all sent me. And like, I think maybe just because it's like slightly small and I'm not like looking at it every day of my life. I kind of like it. I don't mind it. I really <laughs> don't. I'm looking at it. I don't mind it. 
it's the sort of, I mean, like the, the door is purple and it's, it's pretty purple. Um, it is grimace is absolutely the mm-hmm. right shade. <laughs> I do think that like, if I saw this house while I was driving, I would probably crash into a tree. <laughs> so distracted by it. And I understand like having to live across from this, it might get annoying, but like, I love it. <laughs> I say go further. I think you got to get those shingles out of there and make those put a nice, like dark midnight purple shingle in. Some this plum. Is great. Yeah. Go further. Get some. Oh, my, my friend over here, this neighbor needs some hakarandas is what they need. Ooh, they need yeah. those, those purple flowering trees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that they didn't go far enough is my my verdict here is they needed to go more purple. I think that he chose the wrong purple. I would have gone for the midnight sparkly uh, sort of iridescent purple of his dump truck. Like that should be the, yeah. the color of the house. Metallic midnight grape. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you all think of when you think of metallic midnight grape? I think of cars. I think of cars. I think of <laughs> like nail polish. Paint, you know, yeah. like those, you know what I'm okay, talking about. I, those flamboyant cars. I think of a, like, a music video for a song that doesn't exist where a person like wakes up in the night and there's like a bowl of fruit um, in the middle of a table mm. and there's a single bunch of metallic grapes in there that have this like iridescent light <laughs> uh, and they eat one and then they all of a sudden go into like mercury metal world and that's where like the rest of the music video takes place oh that would be good yeah that would be so good what is that yeah. like what was that tv show with the, like the 3d graphics where they get sucked in in the 90s it reminds me of that um big bad beetleborg something no, like VR that yeah, yeah 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 okay i don't know enough about music to know like what band is doing this music video but it is definitely like the most early 2000s ass music video <laughs> like the graphics are not good <laughs> <laughs> no, they can't be good. The CGI has to be low quality, of a very low quality. Yeah, it's maybe like the it's Eiffel sixty five's follow up song. Uh, yeah, feeling purple or something like that, <laughs> where they just try and go through the full spectrum. They're just trying to get like revive that energy. It's just not there. Yeah, I don't know. It could be bigger though. <laughs> I'm purple. I'm a, I'm a D. They have to do it again. Per, per, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> anyway, I get this is this is all to say that I want to eat that grape. I want to eat the forbidden grapes <laughs> on this table. Forbidden metallic but grapes. No. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is, uh, thank you so much for sharing this story, Floxy. I, I'm loving looking at this house. <laughs> I hate how much I love looking at this house that you despise. <laughs> we'll try to figure out the coordinates so you can go visit it. It's probably pretty far from Oh, you, that'd but... be great. Yeah. I would love, again, I would love to crash my car near your, your neighbor's house. I guess, cause we did brainstorm a lot of like other purple things they could add in here. So I guess I like, feel grateful that they haven't, that they haven't done the roof. Mm. The gutters are white. Thankfully, mm. there are no hakarandas. They haven't like, you know, ripped up the grass and put in purple turf. They could do that. <laughs> you know, I'm distracted because I'm pretty sure you affair. said that. Did you say you're grateful instead of grateful? <laughs> I was I was thinking. Of uh, amazing grapes. How sweet a sound. <laughs> OK, so we actually did have some listeners out there who were intuitively drawn to purple once upon a time. Mm-hmm. This response was originally submitted for our Black episode. We couldn't work it in, but we loved it, and we thought that it would be perfect for purple. We have patron Suyan at Zhengxi Suyan. When I was in kindergarten, I would only ever pick blue, black, and purple markers or crayons to draw with, and my classmate's mom thought there was something wrong with me. (laughs) She even told my mom to have me checked by a psychiatrist. Whoa. Mm -mm. (laughs) I know, right? Whoa. Luckily, my mom just gave it a laugh. She knew me well. I just thought those three colors look good together. And they do. Confirmed. You're not wrong. And again, I don't know when you grew up, when you were a child, but I feel like there was like a purple prominence period. Um, (laughs) 
I think like in the in the nineties and early two thousands, we've discussed this. I didn't even mention Iva News from the Power Rangers movie. Like things were things were purple, and like it, it was like we just like couldn't make enough things purple. There was that period where ketchup was purple too. Oh my oh, god! Um, yes, I remember that. I about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that like it, it was like this little indulgence we all allowed ourselves. We're like, yeah, but what if it was purple? <laughs> <laughs> And I think you were you were on the cutting edge, uh, Sian. She was, she was, mm-hmm. and I think her th- this. I don't know what kind of voicemail you get. Like your kid mm-hmm. needs to go to therapy for being obsessed what? with color. <laughs> Rude. I I have a um a two year old, and like so I'm not like at this stage yet, but like pretty soon I will have to like interact with other parents in this way. And I don't know how. I mean, your mom played it so cool. Like I feel like <laughs> I would be instantly on the phone, be like, "Hey, Jin." My kid likes to draw with purple. Is there something wrong with that, Jen? Don't ever talk to my daughter again, Jen. I'm done with you. Yeah, just like I feel like I'd go off. I'll go off the handle. My face would become purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me, Jen. <laughs> you're, you're on fucking thin ice, Jen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Speaking of mm-hmm. purple. So when I, I was a kid, my favorite princess was Pocahontas. And mm-hmm. my bed was like totally bedecked in Pocahontas linens. Okay, so pillowcases, Ooh, okay. sheets, duvets, maybe even a sham. And I also think it came with wallpaper <laughs> trim as well, like a whole set. I was spoiled. Holy hell. And so like the branding for Pocahontas was mainly like purple, magenta, and some teal mm. with like a little yellow sprinkled in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. sleeping in it every day, right? Like before you know it, that became my like crayon trinity. Mm-hmm. The purple, the magenta, and the yeah. teal. So I, no one ever called my mom. As far as I know, but if they <laughs> did, my grandma probably hung up on them because she didn't speak English. She always picked. <laughs> She's not here. We taught her to say that, so she definitely would have hung up on. Yeah, those. Shout, yeah, shout out to the members. moms laughing it off. Shout out to the moms who don't have time. Thank for you, these nosy other moms. Oh, yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Don't have time for that shit. No way. <laughs> okay, on to question number three. When you reach for purple. Why are you reaching for it? How does it show up in your artwork or design? That's a great question. To me, I mentioned this a little bit, but it's kind of like the color of like magic and mm-hmm. like possibility outside of outside of a preconceived norm. It I talked to you about this um, when we were like setting up this recording that it, it it's the color of space, but also the color of grapes. It's both like very common and very extraordinary and i like that it can be both things it's a very versatile color but yeah i think like really it is like it's a magical color it can be used to represent things that feel like beyond our current understanding or um things that are like beyond our grasp but things that we want to have i don't know it feels like an aspirational um and optimistic color while still having this like sense of mystery so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah i guess whenever i'm using it it is like i don't know i I draw a lot of like fantasy bullshit so it's mostly for like magic (laughs) It's like when you need somebody to be like casting a spell or something like that. You oh, get like some purple glow. But yeah, I I don't know. That's kind of the uh, highfalutin definition of purple for me. Sophia at Himera Comic, uh, really great stuff. Realized she had been using purple subconsciously to to set up that like uh, sort of witchy magical vib, kind of what you're talking about. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and it is also I use it a lot for like um, shading too, which I think if I'm looking in the stock as well, it seems that at high heeled pancakes uh, said that as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's great, especially in like digital art programs. Like when you just need like a shader color to get that kind of like cell shaded look. Purple Mm. is really nice because it makes it just, it gives you that like nice soft shade that isn't like as harsh as using like a a black or a blue or something Mm -hmm. like that. 
it's it's versatile for that reason. Like you can shade with it, you can make it like a a bright magical color. You can make it the galaxy or the sky. It's great. It's fun. Or your taraboba. I just <laughs> I just remembered taraboba. I'm like, yeah, that was purple. I was like, what is this gonna taste like? It was delicious. I had a an ube cinnamon roll last Ooh. weekend that was like purple, and it's like that's yeah. It's it's always so exciting. Whenever I can get a chance to eat my purples, I love it. I'm like, <laughs> it makes me it makes me want to try one of these weird mollusks too. I I think oh. I was looking on the Wikipedia site. It seems like in antiquity when they would like try to like make the dye from it, they would put a ton in a big vat and it would smell really really bad. Despite all that, you know, like you can eat clams and oysters. I could probably eat the purple mollusk. I could eat one. Yeah, I don't think you'd die. I mean, the 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 clams don't smell great either, to be honest. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's kind I, of like an acquired thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's enough purple foods out there. You can have like a full purple meal, and I, I feel like I want that for me. Oh, that is a really excellent idea. I yeah, mm-hmm. no pairing your your colored foods. That sounds amazing. This is something that I think you know. If you've listened to me on other podcasts, you might know this about me. But like, I'm totally okay with having a terrible meal mm-hmm. uh, in the pursuit of having an interesting one. <laughs> so like, I. I will make every incorrect food choice mm-hmm. because like something looked interesting on a menu or like I thought a word sounded cool. So like if you told me that there was like a all purple restaurant that it did include like, you know, like a lot of ube stuff uh, and some like taro root and then like, you know, these mollusks, I would be all over it and I would <laughs> just be sick for days. Two out of three sounds really great. But then, you know, the yeah, mollusks, yeah, true. like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> like taro, great. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Throwing some, I, the best, uh, one of the best grilled foods I have is eggplant, but it doesn't like, it kind of loses its purple when it's grilled. So mm-hmm. that's true. That's why, that's why you got to have it raw, my friend. Oh. Just, just bite into it. Yum. <laughs> that's why you got to get, got to get rid of the, like the smushy center and you just have the eggplant skin. <laughs> Disgusting. Caldwell, we know that you have to get going. Um, so Russell, why don't you tell us your grim story? Yeah. So when I was a kid, like we moved around a lot, uh, like every couple of years, like we lived in like all these small Midwestern towns. So they had these like yeah. grimace always followed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these <laughs> McDonald's that were absolutely wrecked, like just like not taken care of, just like not yeah. up to standard, like McDonald's standards, I don't think. But there was this grimace, like fiberglass figurine that just like baked out in the sun and it had oh, that like yeah. pebbled texture. And this oh, is like yeah. one of the the first times I was like just really into a color because it had like it was mm-hmm. sun bleached on top, but in like the little pockets of like the grimace pebbles, it was like that dark grimace purple. So it kind of looked like a broken candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Like, a, so like an M and M that's been left in the sun too long. Absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I I love nothing more than like man made objects being reclaimed by nature. Mm-hmm. I'm from uh, Tennessee originally, mm-hmm. which is like a really it's a humid state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get a lot of like moss and vegetation that'll just like grow in the cracks of stone. Uh, and it's always fun just like find those little pockets of a place where like kudzu vines have covered everything. Uh, and I'm just <laughs> picturing the beauty of like a grimace statue just kind of like slowly being taken by the earth. There's nothing more <laughs> beautiful to me than that. It's giving back to the earth too. I feel like the grimace, <laughs> the, the secret power of the purple is like feeding back uh-huh. into the environment. Yeah, it's like, because we milked we milk so many mollusks to make that grimace. Yeah. And now this is like our gift to Mother Earth. It's like, thank you. <laughs> you gave us these mollusks and here's what we did with it. And we're very proud of it. And it's for you again. Oh, giving uh. back giving back the grimace. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Everyone find a way to give back the grimace in your day-to-day life. Just any any little opportunity, pass the grimace on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
with a grimace. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us, Caldwell. Uh, what should our listeners do to check you out if they're not already familiar with your work? Where where would you have them start? Oh, um, well, you can go to uh, nadpod.com or you can go to patreon.com slash nadpod. That's the best way to listen to our podcast. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. I'm at Caldy. Um, I, I try to uh, post our art there every once in a while. But yeah, those are the the, the main two prongs of Caldwell uh, currently. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And I hope you enjoy looking at the things that are online for me. I need to stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, we love your um your drawing uh, hour on uh on the Patreon. Love it. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That's one of the one of the tiers on our Patreon is I do like a monthly drawing feed, uh, like a stream where I draw uh, characters from the podcast as well as like requests from the audience. So yeah, and that's that's something I really enjoy doing. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're feeling generous, go ahead and check that out. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, we'll come back anytime. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Question numero cuatro. Does purple remind you of any artworks or visual cultural items? Mm. Listeners, across the board, the answers you sent in for this one were amazing. There was so much work we hadn't seen or experienced before and some that really took us back. There were some amazing examples (laughs) that we really wanted to get into, but we just didn't have time for. Yeah. At Ezreal's art mentioned the purple glow in the original Dark Crystals. Bummer. Bummer. Super bummer. We'd love to talk about that. (laughs) Super. Bums, super bums. I said super bums. And many of you mentioned Francis Bacon's paintings of a screaming pope in a purple shawl. (laughs) Yeah, just like the band. What? We will be posting all of your associations, even the ones that we couldn't get to, slowly over the coming weeks on Instagram at ArtSlicePod. But let's start things off with Sophia at Himera Comic, who introduced us to Harry Clark, which we are forever grateful for. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, Sophia. Quote, he often uses pinks, reds, and blues together to create the illusion of purple. Mm. End quote. Harry Clark was likely overlooked in the uh, art world because his works were either commercial illustrations or commissioned stained glass, and thus they may have been downgraded to craft. Uh. But they are just as intensely beautiful as any Aubrey Beardsley or Egon Schiele. The majority of his work you can still find on old Tumblr posts are these (laughs) black and white illustrations for authors like Hans Christian Andersen, Edgar Allan Poe, or Von Goethe. Uh, Goethe? Goethe? I don't know. There are all these elongated figures that feel like they're stuck in pulsating tuberculosis like fever dreams, right? (laughs) The sinewy Art Nouveau line work turns Junji Ito body horror looking less like ornate vines and more like gristly weeds. (laughs) And all of that is contrasted by this patchwork visual static and empty negative spaces. And while that all sounds and actually is chaotic, they are as gorgeous as they are unnerving. In effect, he somehow managed to carry over to his stained glass work. And instead of making traditional stained glass, which is like fractured, flat, colored mosaics, Mm -hmm. he kept that fever dream aesthetic somehow (laughs) by etching specially made sand and kelp glass with acid using gradations of color within those glass panes. So instead of these chunks of colors, you get more scattered disco ball-like refractions. And by layering deep blues and pinkish reds, we see all of these moments of glowing dark purple light, a stunning and difficult to achieve effect. And speaking of using real light to create a purple glow, 
May at Megan Skywalker introduced us to the giallo movie genre, <laughs> which translates to yellow, named after the cheap, bright yellow covered suspense novels that were popular in post war Italy. Giallo films were the original slasher film, gruesome Italian horror flicks from the 60s. Uh, the oozing of aesthetics were equal to or greater than the oozing of candy red blood. Okay. <laughs> If you've caught a Neo Gialli trailer like Neon Demon yeah. or watched a Chromatics music video, you might know the look immediately. High fashion, low culture, illuminated in gel-covered lights. With probably like a little bit of Vaseline on the lens. A little Vaseline. Just, just for good, uh, good measure. <laughs> uh, we are no horror experts by any means, so we had to do a little a little digging inside. A yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. deep digging. A little deep, yeah, with a knife. Um, no, yeah. no, not quite. Russell was actually down to watch these, unlike most kind horror of, movies. <laughs> kind of. I, I, my, my upbringing taught me that demonic possession was, it was around every corner. It was in the bathroom. <laughs> and if you weren't right with the Lord, you could trip in and get all demon-possessed, right? Okay. Just fall right into it. You know what I mean? Uh, but I wanted to risk it because like, I, I feel like every artist needs to see these films. They're amazing. Okay. So if I am, uh, Ma- is it Megan Skywalker? Something mm-hmm. like that. If I am possessed and I find myself at some point watching myself, but not myself, within myself, as my body... <laughs> I, well, I don't know, like stabs a delivery driver with a with a Ouija uh, planchette. Planchette, yeah. <laughs> then you are to blame, and I'm oh coming God. for you, but not in okay. that way. No, I'm not, yeah, I'll, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not threatening you. You're gonna be. But just you're gonna fine. lead the exorcism, is what I'm <laughs> okay, gonna say. You're gonna be just yeah. fine. When, <laughs> whenever my sister and I uh, would fight as kids, yeah, it was really like it was really sloppy. It was more like, yeah, you like, got, you're still pretty sloppy. Like kind of like that. Yeah. What? Yes, we what? were. Yeah, we we fought sloppily. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so to be expected. But it escalates, right? It es- escalates to like harder smacks it, and it, stuff. It escalates like it's sloppy, like in in there's like two Darias fighting sort of way. I'm thinking of the Simpsons. You're just like, like, oh, like... my arm's moving, and if someone happens to be in the way, well, I don't know. <laughs> the kicking, no. Okay. Anyway, anyway, um, so that sloppy fighting would escalate, and my mom, my superstitious m- Mexican mother, would say, "Te yeah. empujar la mano el diablo." The devil exactly. is going to push your hand. <laughs> that that stopped what? it real quick. We definitely stopped. We're like, oh, no, the devil. <laughs> he's just behind there, ready to push. He's a rascal little bastard, you know? A rascal little bastard? Yeah, he's a rascal little bastard. So, yes, we let the devil push our hand mm. because the color here was just way too good to pass sure. up. I would risk eternal damnation for earthly eye pleasures. Blood in Black Lace is credited with being the film to set the aesthetic Jolly standards with purple light spilling into pitch black rooms or reflected in dust-covered mirrors. This is why we had to watch it. With Renee Magritte-level weird staging. Like, you hired yes. Renee Magritte to stage your horror theater production. <laughs> that sort of shit. Yes. That was followed by Inferno, where competing blue and magenta color-coding crossed to create a deadly purple sort of Jolly Rancher. You know? Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher. You like that? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jolly Rancher. And the, and the rappers are yellow. Yeah. Wow, I yep. love that. That's awesome. <laughs> what is pinnacle is the colorful, surreal nightmare Suspiria, right? Not the remake from a few years ago, Ooh. which was enhanced actually with Technicolor to saturate the colors even further. Right. So if it wasn't red enough, if it wasn't purple enough, if it wasn't orange enough, they're going to make it more the, more of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And because of that, <laughs> the colors and the compositions outshine the narrative becoming almost background music yeah. which is something uh. you might be unaware of but subliminally is pacing yep. the mounting tension and hysteric release may also brought up a very different example the serene light lavender glow found in many lois dodd paintings but specifically moon ring from 1982 and shed window from 2014 
unlike the last two examples, we are both huge Lois Dodd fans, okay? Yeah. She makes these ecstatic yet static landscape paintings almost Birchfieldian, mm. right? They seem deceptively dull, but they are actually very alive. And Shed Window is a great example, mm. okay? The purple is just barely there, but it's the star of the work. The way she uses purples is Monet's violet atmosphere. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's elemental. Like, the mm. color gives structure to the works. It's in the shadows. It's in the dirt. And it lets the cadmium greens just, like, sing, right? It also gives, oh, like, nice. the pines rhythm. She gives equal attention to every detail. Blades of grass, mm. shadows, reflections. But she takes none of it for granted. And in those window panes, it's where she captures the violet slash purple atmosphere, right? That would otherwise be dispersed. Finally, patron St. Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, St. Andrew. Thank you. At AL Rustic Ware said that purple reminds them of, quote, the whole vibe of that Rugrats episode, the case of the missing <laughs> Rugrat, and that creepy mansion and people in it, end quote. So naturally, we had to rewatch it. Mm. I loved Rugrats as a kid, but I must have forgotten between now and then that they could talk because okay. I was super <laughs> surprised to hear um, the pigeon Footed, footed one, the pigeon footed one. Tommy, Tommy, he had a whole ass like voice and, pigeon huh? Pigeon footed? Yeah. Okay, cool. You've cool. never heard of pigeon footed? No, I haven't. Okay, go, go on. Google it, loca. Okay. Um, he had a whole ass voice and okay. a whole ass personality. Uh, <laughs> a stupid wibble baby voice, right? Uh, I mean, what's what's really interesting is that line weight in those early Rugrat episodes rarely changes, mm -hmm. even when the perspective shifts. And honestly, just line wise, they remind me more of Harry Clark than The Simpsons. Like, it's that level of detail. It's pretty crazy. Right, right. There is so much moving detail mm -hmm. and not just in that simple stage kind of way. Like, they move in and out of perspective, right. even going fisheye at times. Yep. So, already, that's unnerving, but enter the color scheme. Yeah, it's, ba it's wavy, it's wavy vision. It's wavy vision. There it is. <laughs> oh, so I'm trying for my wavy voice. Okay, you're a little uh, too good at anyway, that. <laughs> the color scheme is so complex, which is intentional, right? But it's also amplified by how they animated back then. They were using stacked gouache cells instead of like digital RGB, right? So nice. those early animations are more like looking at a moving painting than the kind of animation we see today. Right. The color palette seems like it should be high contrast. <laughs> you see a lot of purple next to yellow or green, but they're never like the pure examples of that color. They're always desaturated, muted, mixed with grays, or the earthiest version of that color. So everything turns into kind of like mid-toned mud, you know, <laughs> but but reflective mud in a strip mall. So it's getting some of the light <laughs> reflection in it, but it's still muddy. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I know. It's exactly. kind of in there, but it's, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's, all, I mean, and it's scattered throughout, too. Yeah. And it's kind of an overall composition instead of a balanced one, right? There aren't really very many visual resting points. Right. Especially in this episode, no purple detail is spared. <laughs> it's used pur purplessly. Purple, purple, yes, I'm, uh, you, you said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so purple can be found in the sky as much as Grandpa Pickle's hair. Mm. And it's a weird place for our eyes, but it's definitely the skewed world of baby vision. Yeah, wavy vision, no, I think I is what you meant. I refuse to say it that way. <laughs> Um, so in the last color episode, we talked about our love of the early Simpsons seasons, those weird color decisions and the, those little moments of, of beauty, of grandeur hiding behind Marge's like dome, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not know this. It turns out it was the same animation firm. The animation firm, Klasky Chupo, as in Arlene Klasky and Gabor Chupo, were not just responsible for giving us the Simpsons and Rugrats, but also, ah, real monsters. <laughs> 
I've never said out loud. Yeah, Aerial monsters, yeah. rocket power, wild thornberries. Uh, Duckman. Don't forget sure. about Duckman. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so both George Costanza. What do you What do you mean? He voices Duckman. No, he didn't. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. He was Duckman. Yeah. George Costanza was Duckman. Was Duckman yeah. always angry? So both Arlene and Gabor were artists that came from art school backgrounds, and they were really immersed in all types of different art, which is why I think you said it gave Harry Clark. Yeah. <laughs> So when they started making animations together, they knew they weren't just going to follow what mm. other giants or animation companies like Disney or Hanna-Barbera were doing. Yeah. They wanted to make something that was truly unique, which at the time, in the early 90s, it was. It really was different. Mm-hmm. But it did get more watered down as it got more popular. Well, like anything. It's impressive considering like early Simpsons, Rugrats, and especially Ah, uh, Ah, uh, Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Real monsters are not the most digestible animations Mm -hmm. at all. So when you think about animation, you you think about like simple scenes, color added on is sugar on top, easy on the eyes to keep your little stupid baby waves to keep keep watching, right? This is the opposite, especially uh, uh, real monsters where they really push the all over composition and like Dutch angles and especially that muted but contrasting palette we were talking about to the point where the 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 like mean school teacher, the grimble, grimble, bramble has these toxic yellow teeth, you know, that aren't even that bright, but they seem almost fluorescent compared to the mid-tone mud of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Shine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't appreciate any of these cartoons when I was younger, mm-hmm. like like I do now. So we're definitely going to have to go back and rewatch all of them. Also, also a couple of things to wrap up here. Oh, no. Case of the Missing Rugrats uh-huh. reminds me a lot of the Museum of Jurassic Technology oh, in Los Angeles. Really? Which we have to go to. You've yes. never been to. But there's this upper floor, like the very top of that floor. I don't know. It just gives that, it gives that to me. It gives it. Yeah, okay. it gives it. It gives it. <laughs> not, not up to date on the hip terminology like Stephanie is. I don't watch TikTok. Stephanie does. Don't tell. Cut that, please. (laughs) Cut that, please. I don't watch TikTok. To take it full circle, Stephanie. Okay. They also did, also, also did, also, also, also did the uh, wacky adventures of Ronald McDonald. Oh. And as you can imagine, who was featured heavily in that series was his uh, doofusy, lovable, no longer evil sidekick. The Grimace. Grimace. Yeah, the Grimace. Two arms. Yeah. Two-armed Grimace, yeah. Thank you for bringing us yeah. back to the Grimace. Well, the, epi- the episode is over now, so. Get back to Kinda the Grimace. Kind of want to end on a, on, a, on a higher note than this, but that's where we're at. This is great. I love so, it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed the mm. seventh installment of this little mini-colored series within a podcast series. Okay. Once again, a huge thank you to Caldwell Tanner for joining us. We recorded with him back in March, April, May, April, May, June, somewhere around there, maybe February. <laughs> Who knows? It's been a weird year. It's been a weird Very year, listeners. Weird. But check out NADPOD if you haven't already. I don't know why you haven't. It is one of the best podcasts out there. And this is coming from two people who will probably never and have never played D&D. Never say never. You never say never, but it's an excellent show if you like laughing and you like good stories. There is also, of course, Drawfee, Cartoon Hell, mm. and so much more. So much Caldwell Tanner content. Lots, Con- of, content lots of Caldwell Tanner out there. content. Uh, it, and we didn't <laughs> cut much from the interview, but the full uncut version is on our Patreon, where you can also help us make Art Slice uh, by joining our very small but very excellent group of patrons. Listeners. Wouldn't you like to be a small but excellent patron to a show like ours? I think they would, especially after you delivered that. (laughs) 
And thanks to everyone for sharing your thoughts on Purple. We could not have made this show without you. Mm. Seriously. We loved reading all of your responses and even the ones that we couldn't fit in the show. We will be posting examples of those answers on Instagram in the coming weeks. And if you didn't get to it the first time around, if you're still listening, that's cool. But check out the episode later on YouTube. There's velvet curtains, there's lights, there's us, we're here, our faces. You may not want to see our faces, you can just put your finger over it. Put a little piece of tape over whatever screen you're um, watching it from. If you are watching on YouTube, trying to help. Que Dios los bendiga, first of all, but also like and subscribe. Mm. Uh, thanks again to Rose of Loyalty Freak Music for letting us use the song I Need to Do It to Be Alive by Soft and Furious from the album Diving in the Self. Can you can you, can you hear that I've read this millions of times? Which is one <laughs> of hundreds. It doesn't matter because it's still one song. of hundreds of incredible songs they've made. You can pick it up for Name Your Own Price on Bandcamp. It's a great album all around. Or you can support Rose's mission for creating queer free music against capitalism and fascism on Patreon. We'll also link it in the show notes. So we will see you next time, listeners, on the Art Slice Museum Division of Color Theory and Color Studies where, where the where the purpleness of life <laughs> is a life full of purpleness. I'm waving goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. Audio listeners. Live your life purpo- purposefully. Adios. Purposefully. Adios. Adios.